welcome to our second service. Whether you're joining us online or in person, we are glad you are here. Hallelujah. I uh, just have a couple of announcements for the month of August. Uh, the first one is men's prayer. Uh, that's going to be a men's prayer and breakfast here on the 13th at 8 a.m. So men, come on out. And then just a reminder that the Move the Mission deadline is August 21st. So that's pretty much what we've got going on this month. We do have some special speakers coming uh, next week, next three weeks. So uh, just make sure you come.
you, Jesus. I am so thankful, Lord, that you are in my life. Lord, for Calvary, for all that you do, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I give you glory. I give you honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. mention of your name. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I give you glory. I give you honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that beautiful name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for His blood built at Calvary in our place so that we can have forgiveness of sins. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you stop and think about that, you can't help but think about that for any length of time and not realize what a precious gift that really is. When I stop to, to consider who I was before Jesus Christ, the decisions I made, the places I went, how I spent my time, my money, what I did with this body of mine, and I compare that to what I find in Scripture. I was a rebel. I was in rebellion to God. And yet God loved me. And He died on a cross for me. What a precious Savior. What a precious God we serve. He is so very worthy of our worship, our praise. He's worthy of our full attention. He's worthy of everything that we can give. Everything that we can be. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for standing. Thank you for entertaining the presence of God. You can be seated for a moment. Oh, a victory report. Uh, Sister Vicki Shepherd's niece, Kelly, has been cleared of cervical cancer. Praise God. Amen. Give praise to whom praise is due. Jesus is our great physician. He didn't take stripes on his back for in vain. It certainly doesn't look cool. I don't think he's worried about having being able to tell a good story. He did it for a reason. So that we could have healing in our bodies as well as our hearts and our souls. Praise God. That's awesome news. I love hearing that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Other announcements? Uh, uh, a lot of you guys know Ethan. Uh, he told me here recently that he did get a job in, in Baraboo as a welder, so he will no longer be coming here. He's moving down tomorrow, actually. Uh, I'm going to get him hooked up with uh, the Reedsburg Church. And uh, keep him in prayer. When, when, God, when God brings him to mind, keep him in prayer. Amen. He's a great guy. He needs God. <coughs> All right. Um, just another reminder about pre-service prayer. Prayer does start promptly uh, at 9 o'clock on Sundays, promptly at 6.30 uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, please remember that and please honor that. Uh, if there's something that you absolutely need to discuss with someone during that time, I ask that you would take it downstairs or outside. Uh, speak quietly because uh, kingdom business is taking place here. Amen. Now, I understand uh, a few people may need to take care of service-related issues during that time. I understand that. Uh, but again, if you, can, if you can try to keep it down, 
uh, other people will be praying. Okay? Uh, so please honor that. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. During prayer and during service, uh, the only thing you should need your phone for is to maybe look up a scripture verse. I have my, my uh, devices is my, is my Bible, and so I, I look at, at my devices for that. Uh, if you need to check the time, maybe, but uh, uh, there shouldn't be any, you know, looking at YouTube, there shouldn't be anybody posting on Facebook, at least not in, pres- in service here. When we're in service here, I would, I would ask that everybody be engaged with the service, everyone be in tune with what God is wanting to do, because if you don't need anything at the moment, somebody else does. And there will come a day, of course, where you're going to need something from God. And we want, we want an atmosphere here of faith. We want an atmosphere here of, of power and authority. And that doesn't come just willy-nilly. It's always God's plan. It's always God's will for that to happen. But, of course, He's waiting for a response from us, isn't He? There's something that we are responsible for as well. And the more we put into a service, and the more we're, we're uh, engaged in the service... Rather than what, what the pot roast is doing or what Uncle Ted just texted me here about the football game. I appreciate all of that, but, but maybe we can take care of that stuff after service or in between services. Okay, While we're here, I would ask that everybody be engaged with the service. God has a plan for every service. And uh, it really is up to us. It's our, it's our choice to, to either engage in that or no. And depending on that choice, what we receive in kind. Amen. So, uh, please be aware of that. Um, we are on vacation, my family and I, uh, August 12th through the 20th. Uh, so that's one reason we're going to be having some guest speakers this month. Amen. But uh, just so you guys are aware of that. All right. Um, one more thing. There was a... Uh, a pot of something uh, on the stove downstairs. I don't know who put it down there. It doesn't matter at this point, but uh, your pot of whatever it was has completely boiled away. Uh, And it almost, from what I'm told, started a fire downstairs. So just a reminder, uh, if you have something on the the open flame down there, please please monitor that uh, so that the whole place doesn't Light up. (laughs) Amen. Appreciate that. All right. That was it. Easy peasy. All right. Joshua, chapter 24. The Demuth, I thought, was going to steal my thunder here. Stole a couple verses, but I got the rest of them. So, (laughs) Joshua, chapter 24. Verses 1 through 15 is where we'll take our scripture text today. Amen. Starting with verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. 
And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and let him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan, and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. And in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. We'll preach for a few minutes, Lord willing, on this topic. Could have been, should never be. Could have been, should never be. Lord Jesus, we're so very thankful for that you've done thus far in our service. That you have met us. That you have ministered to us. That your presence has been manifest in our presence here today. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work according to all of your heart's desire. According to all of your perfect will for this service and for the people present here, both here and online. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would work a wondrous glorious work in our midst here today and above all else that your name would be glorified here in our midst and these things we ask in jesus name amen praise god god bless you thank you for standing again you can be seated jerry is the manager of a restaurant he's always in a good mood when someone would ask him how he was doing he would always reply if i were any better i would be twins Many of the waiters at his restaurant quit their jobs when he changed jobs so they could follow him around from restaurant to restaurant. Why? Because Jerry was kind of a natural motivator. If an employee was having a bad day, Jerry was always there, telling him how to look on the positive side of the situation. Seeing this style really made me curious. So one day I went up to Jerry and asked him, I don't get it. No one can be as positive a person as you are all the time. How do you do it? Jerry replied, each morning I wake up and say to myself, I have two choices today. 
I can choose to be in a good mood, or I can choose to be in a bad mood. I always choose to be in a good mood. Every time. Each time something bad happens, I can choose to be a victim, or I can choose to learn from it. I always choose to learn from it. Every time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining, or I can point out the positive side of life. I always choose the positive side of life. But it's not always that easy, I protested. Yes, it is, Jerry said. Life is all about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is really a choice. You choose how to react to situations. You choose how people will affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. It's your choice how you live your life. Several years later, I heard that Jerry accidentally did something you were never supposed to do in the restaurant business. He left the back door of his restaurant open. And then in the morning, he was robbed by three armed men. While Jerry, trying to open the safe box, his hands shaking from nervousness, slipped off the combination, the robbers panicked and shot him. Luckily, Jerry was found quickly and rushed to the hospital. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Jerry was released from the hospital with fragments of the bullets still in his body. I saw Jerry about six months after the accident. When I asked him how he was, he replied, If I were any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I declined to see his wounds, but did ask him what had gone through his mind as the robbery took place. The first thing that went through my mind was, I should have locked that back door, Jerry replied. Then, after they shot me, as I lay on the floor, I remembered that I had two choices. I could choose to live, or I could choose to die. I chose to live. Weren't you scared, I asked? Jerry continued, the paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the emergency room and I saw the expression on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. In their eyes I read, he's a dead man. I knew I needed to take action. What did you do? I asked. Well, there was a big nurse shouting questions at me, said Jerry. She asked if I was allergic to anything. I replied, yes, to bullets. Over their laughter, I told them, I'm choosing to live. Please operate on me as if I'm alive, not dead. Jerry lived thanks to the skill of his doctors, but also because of his amazing attitude. I learned from him that every day you have a choice to either enjoy life or to hate it. The only thing that is truly yours, that no one can control or take from you, is your attitude. Your ability to choose. So if you can take care of that, everything else in life becomes much easier. Now you have a choice to make. You can ignore this story. Or you can learn and apply the lessons from this story. Amen. A kind of semi-humorous story to illustrate the point that we're trying to make today. Everything boils down to choice. We've heard this before. Free moral agency. We are created by God with the ability to choose, to make choices for ourselves, and those choices have real-world ramifications, both good and bad, depending on the choices that we make. God doesn't withhold the good from us, and God doesn't withhold the bad from us, 
if that's coming because we make a bad choice. If I decide to down a bottle of tequila and get in a car and and drive 90 miles an hour and I get in an accident, I could blame God for that, but isn't that more some choices that I made? If God took away every ramification of my choices, would I really have free moral agency? Would I really be a free moral agent in this world? Absolutely not. Because I am a free moral agent, and you are a free moral agent, our choices matter. Our choices impact this world that we live in, for good or for bad. They impact those around us. They impact us personally, for good or for bad, depending on the choices that we make. And the choice is always ours. It's always ours. Every choice that we make carries with it the responsibility of consequence. If I make bad choices, if I'm going to be intellectually honest, I better not complain about the ramifications. My previous example, if I choose to do that and I get in an accident and end up as a a paraplegic or worse, I can get all bitter But at the end of the day, that was my choice. And my choices carry consequences. Now, if I decide to make a good choice, come to church and worship God. Decide I'm going to get up early and and spend time with God in prayer. I'm going to listen to the voice of God, Brother DeMuth, and I'm going to go talk to that person at the restaurant. If I make good choices, those have consequences as well, don't they? But those are good consequences. Every choice carries with it the responsibility of managing the decision that I made. Brother Aaron Soto uh, at men's camp, he said a lot of uh, good stuff, a lot of good stuff. But one thing that really stuck with me is you make a choice, but then every day you've got to manage that decision. Because... Every day, I don't always feel like living up to that. Today, I'm going to decide, God is really speaking to me in this service. I I really want to move forward in Him. I really want to start dedicating my life to God like I've never have before. And we make that decision. And then Monday morning comes around. Tuesday afternoon comes around. And and I've got to make up my mind that that decision is still sound. It's still good. I'm still moving forward in that. In other words, I guess I've got to redecide every day that that's what I want to do. Because if I don't, it's kind of like repentance. I've got to repent every day. I've got to crucify this flesh every day. I can't take weekends off from that. I've got to manage those decisions, manage those choices every single day. Because if I don't, then it gets away from me. Listen to some of these statements. That guy makes me so angry. You ever said that? Is he really making you angry? We sure feel like it though, don't we? That guy cuts us off on the highway. You know he did that on purpose. You know he's, he knows who you are and he hates you 
and he's doing everything he can to ruin your day. That's why he did that. Well, the truth is he has no clue who you are, probably didn't see you there, and doesn't hear any of your ranting and raving, doesn't hear it, doesn't know you exist. Nobody makes us angry. We choose to be angry. That's how we're choosing to react to the situation. Now, I'll grant you, some choices are a lot easier to make than other choices. It's really easy to get mad at people. It's really hard to understand why people get mad at me. Why would anybody be mad at me? I can see why I'm mad at you guys. But why would you be mad at me? And vice versa, right? We choose to get angry. We can make a different choice, especially as born-again believers. Don't we have authority? Don't we have power over sin in our lives? Don't we have the ability to live above sin? We do, don't we? So we have the Holy Ghost resident within us that will help us make a better choice. We don't have to get angry. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to show mercy. We can choose to pray for them. To love them. She's so successful. Must be nice. Must be nice to be successful at something. Well, you know, I I wouldn't say that I was a hugely successful business owner, but I I stayed solvent. And... uh, Running a business is a little bit different than being an employee. Those of you that have had businesses, you know what I'm talking about. There's the whole business end of it. And you've got to do the actual job that's required. You've got to file your taxes. You've got corporation stuff you've got to do with the state. Uh, all insurance, you know, the whole nine yards. And you've got to go get the bids. You've got to go get the jobs so that you can get a paycheck coming in. When I, when I go to work, all of that's taken care of. I just do my job and go home. And two weeks later, look at this. I got money in the bank. But it's quite a bit different when you're self-employed. <clears throat> Forgive me. I have no idea where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. She's so successful. Must be nice. <laughs> As I was saying, that person that's successful, you have no idea what they've been through to get there. All of us, I mean, if that was our focus, and I I pray to God it's not, to be successful out in the world, to be successful in business. Nothing wrong with being successful in business, but don't let that be your focus, please. It's not worth it. But if that were our focus, all of us could be successful at something. All of us could be successful in this world at something. If we just do the work, if we make the right sacrifices. But see, people don't want to make sacrifices. They want to live the way they want to live, and they want to be successful. This person over here is successful. Must be nice. Wish I were successful like that. And people think that, you know, they just inherited it. Sometimes that's true. But for the most part, that's not true. They made different choices than you made, than I made. That's all it is. Different choices. 
They did different things with their time. Instead of playing video games or watching the boob tube, is that still a thing? Okay. That's what my parents called it. (coughs) They hit the books. They were out on the job site. After they got done with their work, they were working on their business. They made different choices. If I were 20 years younger, I would, if I were 30 years, if I were 40 years younger, I would. (coughs) You ever thought that? The older I get, the more I think stuff like that. Sister Parker doesn't. God bless you. You are free from that. You're right. You're right. That makes me wrong. Because <laughs> I have done that. I haven't done it in a while. Amen. Amen. Lord, well, Lord is willing. I just manage that decision every day. I'll stay with it. But I used to think... Uh, I'd love to I'd love to talk to my younger self. I'd love to give him a piece of my mind. That stupid moron uh thought he knew everything, didn't know a thing. I'd love to talk to him, talk some sense to him. <coughs> but you know the choices I made back then are they got me here today. For good or for bad. And I uh I hope this isn't out of order, but there is a Star Trek episode that I saw a while back, and it's called Tapestry. The the captain, not Kirk, the uh, Picard, the the one with the nice haircut. <laughs> he was in a place where he was lying on a hospital bed, bed dead, and this this super powerful alien was going to give him a chance because. He made a bad choice in his youth. That's why he had this artificial heart. And he was on a mission and it stopped. And that's what killed him. So this this powerful entity said, well, I'll send you back in time. And you, you can make different choices. Long story short, they agreed to it. And he made different choices. He played it safe. He played it easy. His old man captain, with his wisdom and years of experience, was living in, in young man captain's body. And so... He was acting out what he thought he should have done. And he, he survived. He didn't get into the fight that, that destroyed his heart. So then they come back to the present. He's not a captain anymore. He's a low second lieutenant. And he's in a dead-end job. And he's, he's basically a dead-end person. No life. No passion. And the entity told him, like, that's exactly what you wanted. That's exactly what you wanted to do. Take care of all of those loose threads. Take care of all of those, those, those uh, rough edges that you had in your youth. But because of that, because you played it safe, because you wouldn't take a chance, you didn't get noticed at this mission, and you, didn't, you weren't in, in place to, to assume command here, and your life never came into focus, and you just kind of drifted from assignment to assignment. In any case, the reason I bring that up is this. We don't have to worry about what happened then. You start tugging on those little strings and the whole thing comes unraveled. The whole thing falls apart. 
Don't worry about that. God can redeem that. God can repair that. What I need to manage is my decisions now, moving forward. Yes, it would have been nice if I had gotten in church when I was five years old. I didn't. I got in church when I was 22 years old. <clears throat> That's the way it is. Now I've got to manage that moving forward. What am I going to do today? I can't do anything about that anymore. God has redeemed that. God has, God has taken care of my past. But moving forward, that's up to me. That's up to the choices I am making and I'm going to make. I don't need to worry about what I would have done, what I should have done, what I could have done. I've got to worry about what's going to take place. Where am I going moving forward? That's what I have control over. That's what God has given me control over. And the choices I make now are what matter. Those are the ones that matter. So I don't have to worry about all of that other stuff. There was a skit uh, that my wife and I, I think we did this, the, the Coke one. Okay. <clears throat> Maybe if we get crazy, we'll start doing some of these again. But anyway. Uh, there was a skit that, that we did a while ago. Jesus came, you know, there's, a, there's three or four people kind of talking, and Jesus comes out with a bag of, of stuff. He's like, and they're like, hey, Jesus, how are you? You know, we love you so much, and, and oh, I love you too. In fact, I got all of you something. And so the first person comes up, and he takes out a 20-ounce bottle of Coke. He's like, there you go, because I love you. And he's like, oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And the uh, next person comes up, and it's a 40-ounce bottle of Coke. It's a great big thing. He says, oh, wow. And the two get together, and they're like, oh, Jesus gave me this. Oh, he gave me this. Oh, that man, that's awesome. And they're both really excited about the gift God gave them. The third one comes up, and Jesus gives them a two-liter. And they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. So all three of them get together, and they're just celebrating. Jesus, Jesus gave this to me. It was tailor-made for me. And uh, so the... the Fourth person, the last person, she's really excited. I mean, this just keeps escalating. I'm going to get like a a truck or something here. So he pulls out one of these one of these little things of Coke. He's like, "Here you go. I thought of you when I got this gift. This is just for you." And of course, all the all she could do was. Yeah, but Jesus, this is this is like three ounces. That guy got a two liter. Yeah, but that get that's for him. This is yours. This is what I'm giving you. It's it's perfect for you. I thought about it a long time, and th- this is what I came up with. And of course, she walks away angry. Because all she got was this. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, when we, when we're making decisions, sometimes our decisions to serve Jesus seem to put us in a worse spot than we were before. 
God sometimes leads us into valleys. We don't get to always stay on the mountaintop. And if I'm going to pursue Jesus like I want to, I hope you're okay with this, but if I'm going to follow Jesus, Jesus takes me through some dark places sometimes. And those are for a reason. And I've made up my mind a little while ago that I can endure anything God puts me through. I can, if I'm there by the will of God, I'm going to have the ability to get through it. Now, it may not feel like it all the time. It may be so hard that I'm crying out for this to stop. But if I'm there by the will of God, I can endure it. And that takes trust. That takes confidence in His choices and in where He's leading me. And if I don't trust Him, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to try to skirt that thing. I'm going to try to get out of it as soon as I can. But I'm there for a reason. Sometimes God gives me that two liter. And sometimes I get the little five ounce, whatever it is. Sometimes He takes that from me. And we've got to be okay with all of it. Because we understand something. We understand that We all love the mountaintop. It's beautiful. The view is great. But nothing grows on the mountaintop. There's no growth there. We can't survive there. If we stayed on the mountaintop, we would die. We've got to go back down into the valley and get fed and grow. That's part of our walk, too. And if we're going to serve God, if we're going to be the person that God wants us to be, if that's the choice that we're making, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm I'm yours no matter what. If we're going to manage that decision, we're going to manage it through some some dark periods of our lives. And we've got to be okay with that because we trust Him. I'm here because of the will of God. I'm here because God loves me. And He is perfecting me. Don't we want to be Christ-like? We all want to be Christ-like. But not everyone gets there. And not everyone moves at the same pace. Part of that, part of that is just who you are. But another part of that is the choices that we make. I'm I'm not up here boasting, but when I first got in church, I made some choices, and I've managed those choices. I haven't managed all of them, but I've managed some of them. I was 22 years old. I was was hanging out with people that had been in this thing their whole life. And all I could think of was, I've got to catch up. I've got to get caught up. I'm I'm 22 years behind. That's all I could think of. So I got in my book, and I read. I read the Bible. I read. I outlined. I, I made notes. I, I underlined. I, I did everything. I memorized. I did everything I could. I prayed. I prayed harder, I thought, as if that mattered. But I was there more than, than anyone. I, I got there before. I stayed after. But it wasn't to show anyone up. It was because I, I wanted what I thought they already had. And it turns out, Most of them didn't have much of anything. 
And that blew me away. You've been in this for your whole life. You don't know this? What in the world? But it's choices that they've made, choices that I've made, choices that you have made and will make in the future. I could tell you other choices that I shouldn't have made. I'm not perfect. But our speed my ability to get from here to where God wants me to be is going to be because I choose to get there. God wants it. Don't worry about that. You don't have to pray about that. It's God's will for you to get there. And He'll help you every step of the way. But you've got to keep giving Him permission to lead you. You've got to keep giving Him permission to do what He needs to do in your life. To take out what needs to be taken out. To put in what needs to be put in. Now, I'm not talking to a bunch of novices here. I understand that. And there are some of you, I know for a fact, could get up here and preach this to me. The need to sacrifice. The need to go through dark times. I, I understand that. But we need, we need to be willing to do that. The choices that we make will bring us through hard times. And we need to trust Him enough to go through the hard times. To not beg to get out of it. But to say, God, what do I need to learn? What do I need to grow through here? For me to be the person you want me to be. There's another skit that we used to do called Trust Fall. You guys know what trust fall is. <clears throat> well, in this skit, uh, Jesus comes out and she's, he's trying to teach this person to, to trust in him. So, you know, he puts, puts the person like right out here and tells, it, tells him to lean back and he catches him. Okay, that's really good. Eventually. It takes a while. And then they get farther and farther and farther out and, and he's catching, catching the person and he's like, oh, this is great. Oh, yeah, I trust you. And he's like, do you really trust me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, get on the other side of me. So Jesus wanted the person to fall back that way and trust him to catch him when Jesus was facing this way. And, of course, the person couldn't do that because I don't see how you can do that. I don't see how that's going to work. When Jesus asks weird things of us, when Jesus puts us in crazy positions, crazy places, we're not always going to understand why. And sometimes, I can all but promise you this, sometimes you're going to be tempted to doubt God. You're going to be tempted to question Him. Why am I here? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing that? And I promise you, the enemy will be helping you. Yeah, you're right. Why are you here? You know, I'm sure someone else has thought of this. I don't recall having heard this before, but I can't imagine this is new with me. I considered the other day, uh, Lucifer, you know, he's, he's now Satan, he's the accuser of the brethren, right? 
Every time we mess up, every time we make a mistake, he's right there pointing his finger at us, accusing us, right? Well, it just occurred to me that Lucifer, he couldn't live for God with no Satan, no world system, no sin, no sin nature. And he still couldn't live for God. He still rebelled against God. So when he comes accusing me, now I'm like, well, who's the weak one here? I, I don't mind saying here either. I love, I mean, every once in a while he can cast me with a good left hook. No doubt. But every time he does, I'm just like, all right, you got at best a hundred more years to hit me like that. And after that, <clears throat> let me tell you how all this wraps up. I'm in heaven forever, and you're burning in a lake of fire forever. How, how's that? How's that sound? And if I can see it, and I'm still able, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh at you. I don't know if that's right or wrong. That's how I feel. I do not like that guy. <clears throat> when Jesus puts us on the mountaintop, we know He loves us. It's easy to worship. It's easy to praise. easy to get excited about God. But when he, he puts us in the valley, we get confused, we get fearful, we get doubtful. It becomes difficult to worship God. It becomes hard to keep trusting Him and keep moving forward on the path He's laid out for us to follow. You know, every once in a while, you move forward expecting a break, expecting that light at the end of the tunnel. But it just gets darker. It just gets harder. And I'm telling you, folks, if you don't... Yeah, let me say it that way. If you don't have those times in your life every once in a while, you're probably doing something wrong. You're probably not moving in the direction God wants you to. Because we will, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And to add insult to injury, we've got to choose to go through it. How about that? <clears throat> but choose we must. Go through it we must. Brother Nemuth talked about basic training. There are times in our lives where we have to go back and we get, got to go through more training. God is moving us. He's advancing us in His kingdom. And He wants to give us more responsibility. He wants to use us perhaps in a greater capacity. But he can't because I'm stuck right here. If I want to move forward, then I got to move forward. Does that make sense? In the scripture text, we see how God demonstrates to his people 
why they can trust Him. He explained to them every step of the way. You faced this situation, and I delivered you. You faced this situation, and I delivered you. It wasn't because of you. It was because of me. And the only thing they had to do was keep trusting in Him. I don't know how they did with that. But God's mercy is awesome. God demonstrates to His people why it's in their best interest to follow Him versus any other. If they follow God's precepts, His judgments, His commandments, then God's blessing is upon them. And it's more, it's, it's more than simply, I want you to do what I want, so if you do what I want you to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give good things to you. And if you don't do what I want to do, then I'm going to get mad and, and, and spiteful, and I'm, I'm going to withhold my hand from you. It's not that at all. Not even close. The first thing God that God wants us to understand about Him is that He loves us. He loves us. We've got to accept that. And if He loves us, if He loves me, He wants the very best for me. He does. He wants the best for me. That might be different than what I think it is. When I was growing up, I didn't understand a lot of stuff my parents did. Didn't. Couldn't. I didn't have the equipment right then to figure out what they were doing. All I knew is, Dad's mad and he's spanking me. I knew why he was spanking me. I knew why he was mad. I didn't see what was wrong. He told me one time, I love taking his uh, big old sledgehammer and go out to the field and bust up rocks. That was fun for me. Well, he told me he didn't want me doing that anymore because I'd break it. I haven't broken it yet. So Dad was at work. I grabbed the sledge and went and broke up rocks. And now because he said that, I broke it. I snapped the handle right in half. There was nothing I could do about it. I thought of everything. I could file a a branch down and and try to stick it in there. I could... There was nothing. So Dad came home. I told him I broke the sledgehammer. And he got all mad at me. Why are you getting mad at me? I'm telling you. I disobeyed. He knew something I didn't. Maybe he saw that there were fractures in the in the thing or something. Don't use it anymore. I got to replace it. I don't know what it was. But I thought I knew better than my dad. Turns out I didn't know better than my dad. 
And when I get in my mind that I know better than Jesus, God tells me to do something, well, obviously that's not the best way to do it. <clears throat> I got a better way to do it. And we laugh and we kind of snicker. Yeah, yeah, people do that. So do you. So do I. Not quite that obviously, though. It's not quite as cut and dried as that. But when God tells me to go talk to the guy at the restaurant that I don't know, immediately my stuff starts kicking in. Is that really God? Is that is that is that really God telling me to do that? Or or is that just me? <clears throat> well, obviously it's not me. Because that's not what I do naturally. I don't go up and talk to strangers naturally. So obviously that's not me. But that's a question I have because I don't want it to be God. See how that works? <coughs> but at the end of all of this in our scripture text, God is asking them to make a choice. He demonstrates why, why you guys can trust me. He demonstrates everything that I've done, everything I've done for you, every step of the way. That was me. That was me taking care of stuff. That was me protecting you. That was me providing for you. If you'll just follow me, I'll keep doing it. If you follow anything else, I will not do that. Why? Because following Jesus Christ is in our best interest. Following any other path is not in our best interest. <clears throat> We're not going to second-guess God. We're not going to make a, a better choice than God has already laid out for us. That choice is the perfect choice for us. Whatever God has laid out for us, that's the perfect path for us. And all we've got to do is choose to stay on that path. We can choose a different path, absolutely but to your peril. Now you're moving outside of His protection. You're moving outside of the boundaries, which are there for our protection. Why can't I drive 200 miles down the road stone drunk? Why can't I? Well, I'm a functional drunk. I, I, can, I can do that. Because I'll kill people, right? Nobody wants a drunk guy driving 200 miles an hour down the, the highway. Nobody wants that. Well, why not? Curbing my freedoms. I can handle it. I can do what I want to do. Yeah, you can. You can do that. But you're going to kill people, and if you survive, you're going to pay the consequence for that. You're moving outside the bounds of society's protections. If I move outside of the, the, the bounds of God's protections, I'm on my own. If I slide out from under His authority, the umbrella of His authority, I'm defenseless. God is asking them to make a choice. Anyone ever hear of the... Uh, Phrase crossing the Rubicon. Well, 
Well, I found this summary of the account on www.rubiconice.com. It goes like this. On or about January 10th in the year 49 B.C., in the northern Italian peninsula, on the banks of the Rubicon River that represented the legal border of the Republic of Rome from its territories, stood a man, a general, named Gaius Julius Caesar. This river was a significant symbol, but not a great obstacle. It was easily crossed, except for the consequence of the action. Roman law forbid any commander to enter Rome with an army punishable by death. Caesar's popularity with the general public made the Senate resent and fear him. He was in dire conflict with the Senate of Rome and was facing a fight for his life. If Caesar crossed the river with his army, he would be declared an enemy of the Roman Republic. If he went home to Rome alone, he would face exile or possible execution for becoming a thorn in the side of the Senate. Got just a bunch of bad choices here. Which one's the best one to make? In the previous decade or so, Julius Caesar had become the most famous and most popular public figure in Roman society. He was also one of Rome's most powerful politicians and arguably its greatest general historically. In short, Caesar's popularity with the people of Rome was a problem for the senators who governed them. So while Caesar and the Senate approached a standoff, he positioned his armies just outside the legal border of Rome, the Rubicon River, in its outer territories. Julius Caesar had a choice to make. On the banks of the Rubicon River, Caesar debated a course of action that would affect him in every way imaginable. This was not just a personal decision, it was multidimensional. There would be ramifications also for his soldiers and his commanders. He would be gambling with the lives and stabilities of soldiers and citizens. He could be sending the Republic into civil war. This one choice. This was not a decision to be made callously. While we will never know to what degree Caesar knew this decision would change the course of history, we do know he understood the gravity of it. From our standpoint, this moment in history where a man stood on the banks of a shallow river and wrestled with his convictions has proved to be one of the most famous and significant moments in world history. How the moment played out is still a historical debate, but at some point, some say by accident, a trumpeter sounded the orders to march. The great 13th Legion began crossing the Rubicon River. Caesar, on the bank, observing this, was reported to have remarked, The die has been cast. Today, the phrase, crossing the Rubicon, has become synonymous with taking bold and definitive action. Pushing boundaries. Realizing your full potential. Moving beyond your comfort zone. Demonstrating bold initiative. That's what that means today. But... These crossing the Rubicon moments only come after a decision is finally made. After it's finally made. We come to a, we come to a crossroads. We come to a, uh, a difficult spot in our lives. Let's say God is trying to move us forward in Him. And we get to a dark period in, in, our, in our lives. By His will. We have a choice to make. We can take the easy way out. We can compromise. We can go back. We can just tell God, I'm not ready. 
Or we can make a different choice. We can cross the Rubicon. Whatever consequences await us, they await us. Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 5, says this, Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house, the house being the temple at Jerusalem, at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the outer gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Now before we read the rest of this, most of you are already familiar with it. There are some... As we grow in God, and as we learn to trust in Him more, and as we learn to move from the natural to the spiritual, there's a process to do that. Sometimes very quick. Sometimes it takes time. But God has got to get us from focusing on the natural to walking and living in the Spirit. That's where He's trying to bring every one of us. We are spiritual creations. We are spiritual creatures. This church that He came to form is a spiritual entity. It's not, as Brother DeMuth says, it's not four walls and a a door. It's you and me. That's the church. We are the temple of Christ. We are the Holy of Holies now. So Him trying to move us from the natural to the spiritual is a process. And during that process, we are going to try to do things in our own power because we're still in the natural. And maybe we can't trust God for everything yet. When we get into a financial bind, at least as men, the first reaction is, well, cut costs, I can get a second job, I can ask for a raise, try to get a loan. And those are all solutions. Perhaps a more spiritual man could realize this financial strait I'm in is not by my own doing. It's the plan of God. And I just need to put it in His hands. And I need to trust in Him. We have We've got to get we've got to get to the spiritual. If we are going to do what needs to be done, we've got to continue to make choices that bring us here. When situations arise in our lives, we've got to take them to the Lord first. We've got to start trusting in Him first. I'm not saying other options aren't available, they're not 
an option. But I'm saying, take him to God first. Trust him first. Let him demonstrate what he demonstrated to Israel in Joshua 24. Let him demonstrate that stuff to you. That God is willing to fight for you. He's willing to provide for you. He's willing to defend you. No matter what. Continue to make your choices based on that. Based on that. When the water is to our ankles, we're just getting a taste of spirituality. We're, we're, we're feeling the presence of God. We're, we feel Him when, when we're praying. But when He asks us to do something, when the preacher gets up here and says, we need to, we need to witness more, and we need to teach Bible studies, and, and my response was, Okay, I, I, I got to do this. I got to. I, so I started buying books on how to win friends and influence people. I, I bought books on how to start conversations because I'm abysmal at conversations. I want to jump right into the deep stuff. I, I hate small talk. I hate it. It's so boring to me. I do it. I do it because it, it's a it's a segue to other stuff. But but wow, <laughs> it's it's a slog for me. I want to get to the deep stuff, the meaningful stuff. So I started buying all these books and doing it myself, trying to trying to do it myself. This is what God is wanting me to do, so I got to figure out how to do it. Let's keep reading. And he measured again. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Eventually, church, if we keep moving forward from carnal or natural to spiritual, same thing, natural to spiritual, we eventually get to the place where we're not worried anymore about having to figure out how to do the will of God. All I'm worried about now is trying to keep up with what He's already doing in my life. I'm being swept away by this, this spiritual current, this spiritual river. How awesome is that? And all I got to do is keep, just make sure I stay in the will of God. Just keep make sure I'm submitted to Him. I'm doing what He wants me to do. And watch what He does in my life. I don't have to worry about winning friends and influencing people. It's a good book. Go read it. It's, it's a good book. But, if I'm spiritual, if the Lord is working in and through me, they're going to feel that. They're not going to worry so much about, hey, hey, how you doing? How about them Packers, huh? How about the weather? Just go through the checklist of conversation. I could just jump right in and say, hear from the Lord and say, I believe the Lord's telling me you, you're, going, you're struggling in your marriage right now. God wants, to, God wants to fix that for you. God wants to help you with that. How much more effective would that be? Someone you don't even know. Just sitting there reading your mail. That's effective. I'm not trying to win people to me. I'm trying to win them to God. I'm not trying to get people to join a church. 
I want them into the kingdom of God. I want them to build a relationship with Jesus Christ like I have. That's what we're trying to do. And if we if we if our choices keep leading us in that direction, church, we don't have to worry about a lot of this stuff. We're not going to have to worry about Brother DeMuth getting up here and challenging us about Bible studies. Brother DeMuth is going to have to get up here and say, whoa, 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 slow down. Now we've got, we got to get some organization here. We've got, we got to manage this a little bit. <clears throat> I'd rather have that problem. But if we're pursuing Jesus with all of our heart and we're letting Him work in us, His image, we're getting all of the junk and all of the clutter out of the way and He's able to flow through us freely. He can speak through us freely. We can hear His voice clearly. That's all we need. God is going to take care of the rest. God is going to fight the battles. God is going to protect us. He's going to provide. He's going to direct us. And I can't remember what you said first service that reminded me of this, but you know, a lot of times when we're... This has nothing to do with the message. A lot of times when we're, we're trying to work with people, we're trying, to, we're trying to witness to people, teach them Bible study, you know, there, is, there can be frustration because they just don't really seem interested. And you've got to keep calling them up. You've got to keep reminding them. You've got to keep doing this, that, and the other. And if that's all God's given you right now, yeah, keep praying for that person. Focus on them. But at some point, we're going to get to the place where we're not going to be able to focus our energies, all of our time on people like that. God loves them. Okay, God died for them. But my point is this. There are hungry souls out there who you couldn't keep away if they just knew the truth. Some of you were exactly like that. Once you saw this, they couldn't keep you away. They couldn't have said something that would, that would uh, shame you or embarrass you or offend you to keep you out of the house of God. And those people are out there. You're not going to have to call them up. They'll be calling you up. Hey, you guys got church on Wednesday? Hey, when's our next Bible study? I promise you they're out there. Lord, Jesus' name, lead us to them. Lead us to them. Because we're this many people. And we have 24 hours in the day. We're not infinite. We don't have infinite resources. We don't have infinite time. I can't personally talk to everybody out there. So I'm praying, God, lead me to those that are hungry. Because for those people, if they just knew, if they just knew what you knew, there's nothing you could do to keep them out of here. Versus the other side, where you're constantly calling, constantly... Uh, well, let's see how I feel in the morning. That's my, probably my personal favorite. 
I'll see how I feel in the morning. I can pretty well guess how you're going to feel in the morning. But okay, I'll call you in the morning. In the Old Testament, the meeting place between God and man, covenantally speaking, was the temple. Today, we are the temple. If you want to substitute in this passage of Scripture, if you want to substitute church for house, that works. If you even want to get closer, if you want to substitute you for a house, that also works. Because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'm just about ready to close. Because, wow. Um, if the enemy can't get you to walk away from God, he'll get you to compromise. To get comfortable with where you're at, to believe you've come far enough, done enough. You're going to be presented with choices. And I'm not talking easy choices, I'm talking Rubicon choices. You're going to be presented with two or three just awful, awful scenarios. And you get to pick the best of the worst. Okay? That's how it's going to end up. And if he can't get you to turn away from that choice, he'll try to get you to compromise. Make a different choice. It's not so bad just to go and do this instead. It's not so bad just to cut back a little bit here. I don't want to get into anything personal, but I've been hit with this recently. <clears throat> anyway. It'll get you to the place where you want to. You want to find a loophole. You want it. But it's not there. It's not there, and there's only one real choice to make. And you know what it is. You've got to move forward in Jesus Christ. You just got to. No matter what. No one else suffered on a cross and died for me. No one else saved me from my sins. No matter where you are in God, there's more to see. There's more that you can be. Young person... God can use you mightily if you'll sell out to Him. In some ways, sanctified envy? Is that a thing? <laughs> I envy the position that the young person has. Their whole lives ahead of them. All kinds of potential. All kinds of choices to make. You have so much opportunity to do good for this world, to do good in the kingdom of God, to do the right thing. Elder, you may feel like all of that's gone now. The best years are, are used up and, and I'm just I'm just waiting for Jesus to come take me. Well I promise you in the Holy Ghost, sir, ma'am. Your best days are still ahead. Your best days are still ahead. Your most effectual days for the kingdom of God are still ahead. I promise you that. Holy Ghost is my witness. Your best days are still ahead.
best days of the church are right around the corner, and all of us are perhaps only one decision away from being a part of it. Don't let the enemy convince you it will be too hard, too costly, too painful, or too long a process. And also, don't let the enemy convince you you've got enough of God right now. You're too young, you're too old, you're not smart enough, you're not skilled enough, you're not good enough. You don't have to be. That's the beauty of all of this. You don't have to be. God made you the way you are. He loves you the way you are. And He wants to use you just the way you are right now. But as you get used of God, as God begins to work through you and in you, He's going to want to use you in greater capacities. Greater and greater capacities. And so you're going to have to go through more training. The furnace. You know, uh, something else Brother Dimuth mentioned. The ministry of the believers, the priesthood of the believers. All of you are priests. I don't read anywhere in Scripture, not once, Sister Parker, not once, do I see anything about needing a UPCI license to go teach a Bible study. I don't see it. I see filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, living a holy and a godly life, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I see those qualifications. You got them. You got them. And all of us are important, and all of us are necessary, and God wants to use each and every one of us. And I'm not talking about Hopefully, maybe get in a Bible study someday. We got we got to think way beyond that. God can use you to start a church, to plant a church. God can use you not just to get one Bible study. You can get a whole Bible study group together, 20, 30, 40 people. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can God do that? Now, will God do that? That's the question we need to answer. Will God do that through me? Will God use me like that? Yes, if you make the right choices. If you choose to to submit yourself to Him and move forward in the plan that He's got for you. He absolutely will. The stuff he did in the Old Testament is crazy. It's crazy. He stopped the sun. Old Testament. No Holy Ghost. No Jesus name, anything. He stopped the sun because of Joshua. He parted the Red Sea because Moses held out his staff. He did crazy things in the Old Testament. We're in a much superior dispensation today. Those things are... Forgive me for saying this, this way. But what God did in the Old Testament is chump change compared to what He can and wants to do in the New Testament. You know what I'm saying by that? This is a type and a shadow of what He wants to do here today. Everything Jesus did, He wants to do through you. 
everything. Yes, in greater works. But we're still trying to catch up to everything. You may be good right where you're at, but why settle for good when God wants us to live in great? He wants us to live in best. I'm just a saint. I'm just a mechanic. I'm just a high school student. I'm just this. I'm just that. Let me tell you what you just are. You are just a son or daughter of the Most High God. That's what you just are. You're a child of the King. And as soon as we get a hold of that, that's when we're going to start living up to that. And as soon as we start living up to that, all of that other stuff starts getting settled. We start accurately and powerfully and consistently demonstrating Jesus to this world the way Jesus did when He was walking the earth. When we start living our lives like that, folks, nothing, nothing is impossible at that point. And not just one Jesus. All of us are doing that. But it's a choice. It's a choice that we have to make. And it's a choice that we have to manage every single day of our lives from that point forward. That we are going to continue to walk toward Him. That we are going going to continue to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of our lives. We're going to trust Him no matter what. No matter what I see. No matter what I feel. No matter what I'm experiencing at the moment. I'm going to trust in Him. And where he leads me, that's the only place I want to go. Let's all stand. Let's all come to the front. And let's let the Lord speak to us this afternoon.